This is Monster X Radio. Hi, Clyde. This is Gunner with Monster X. Hey, Gunner. What's up? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Good. With me is uh, Mr. Shane Corson. We'd like to welcome you to Monster X Radio. Well, thank you. Good to, good to be on. <laughs> um, so, uh, one, one of the, the exciting things that's, that's coming up uh, here in, in September is your... Uh, presentation at the uh, 2017 International Bigfoot Conference. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you might be talking about? Well, I, I've been, you know, I've been just collecting data and stories. Uh, I have my own story, of course, to share about uh, Bigfoot, which, of course, I I uh, saw up in uh, southwest Washington, uh, actually southeast Washington, and uh, I just recently was going over the story about the woman in Idaho that uh, said that a Sasquatch was chasing a deer. I mean, there are a lot of good stories to talk about, it, and and I may even uh, work at some uh, information that would uh, be very, uh, I think, beneficial to people who uh, most certainly, you know, think of Bigfoot in a sense that it's, you know, that it's an animal or that it's uh, it's it's tangible. I mean, I'm not one to believe that it's, you know, an interdimensional being like some people do. I just think that, uh, you know, from what I saw, it was a very real being, a very real creature. And I am on. I know that Shane and I are on the same page that we um, tend tend to. Uh, you, it's it's not. You shouldn't try to solve a mystery with another mystery. And that you know, the, if it's a terrestrial animal, it's terrestrial to everybody. You know that, that right. some people seem to uh, to ex- explain it with with uh, paranormal aspects and things and and. Uh, yeah, I just I don't see it. Why it would be um, have so much animal behavior uh, that's consistently reported, you know, with with from make, yelling in the woods and hitting on trees and and you know carrying away uh, uh, game, you know. So why right. why if it is yeah? You think if it could just um, teleport that it would just teleport to a stool in a you know, Denny's at the bar and order up a hamburger or something <laughs> well, if that was... Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, you know, and that's the thing is that most of the time when, you know, and it's, it's difficult that when you investigate something, you know, let's, let's try to be as uh, practical and logical as we can. I mean, you know, if you close your eyes and you hear horses galloping by, you're not going to call them zebras because you just don't know. And that's the thing. Right. I think we're identifying something as a zebra when in, in reality it's something a lot more simple. And, uh, and that's, the, that's the problem I see is that, you know, Bigfoot gets reduced to tabloid uh, stories because uh, people, I think, are responsible for generating those tabloid stories. And I'm not just saying the media is being extra cruel. I'm just saying that, 
you know, when you go from uh, a skunk ape or a, a Sasquatch or a Yeti, and you go from there to some, you know, intergalactic Chewbacca character, I, I, I think that immediately uh, those in the media say, well, you know, somebody's been hitting the bottle a little too much, or, you know, <laughs> these theories are all well and good, and they sell a lot of books, but they really have no basis in, in fact. And, and it, you know, and so hypotheticals and speculation uh, tend to sensationalize, and, and people draw themselves to these, you know, these, you know, awkward and bizarre explanations. And I shake my head and say, look, either we're going to go about this in a way that is scientific and logical, or we're going to continue to play in, in Ghostville or Alienville uh, because it, 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 it's the only way we can, you know, satisfy our interests. I mean, having something as simple as a, as a, you know, a monkey or a ape or even a missing link roaming around in the forests of the Northwest or roaming around the swamps of the South, I mean, that alone, I think, is uh, out of the ordinary and bizarre. But, you right. know, just making it out to be more than that, uh, to me, is, is doing a disservice to those who are, you know, seriously trying to find the truth about this animal or this creature. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Clay, you got this story out of Idaho of, of this woman who uh, hit a deer and she, she blamed hitting this deer on, on seeing a Sasquatch, you know, and she tried to look at her, her rearview mirror and, and, and in the deer. I mean, that's one of those stories where, you know, there, there may be some truth to, to it. Uh, you know, she may have, in fact, had seen a Sasquatch, but how, how do we go from, from you know, most of the media is going to look at that and, like you were just talking about, it's going to make fun of a story like that. But how do how do we make this a little bit more scientific? How do we get science involved and take the you know maybe take another look at this and, and be a little more serious? Well, I, what we do is as people who are you know uh, really trying to find the truth, we expose those that wish to sensationalize it and say no. You know we're not going to play there, and you know and and who cares if they say well uh, you must not be open minded? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when it comes to Bigfoot, maybe we need to say, no, I, I'm really not open-minded, not to that, not to that degree. I mean, it's like uh, my my mind isn't just a, a parachute you can fill with nonsense. I I, I I pack my chute very well, thank you very much, and I would I'd rather talk <laughs> with people who are serious rather than people that are you know trying to make this out to be something greater than it is. And uh, I think that's it's up to us. I mean, all of this happens. Because there are many times we uh, we give, I guess, airtime or or paper time or even uh, you know stanza time to anybody who, who who makes up some story about Bigfoot, and uh, you know it's time to start policing the situation and, and come up with evidence or at least get serious about it. I mean, one of the things uh, that uh, my buddy and I, Roger, you know, when we're watching we're watching these TV shows, so we get all angry when we see those monster hunters. You know, roaming around and 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 everything, and and acting as though that everything that moves that's brown in the woods is a Sasquatch. I mean, that's embarrassing. And uh, you know, I I personally have have been very vocal about that kind of sensationalism. And they think it's harmless. That you know, the producers think it's harmless, and people just love to you know watch this. You know, watch the hillbillies chase after a, a you know a, some kind of monkey suit. I, you know, I personally think that it, you know, that if, if, you know, you're voting with your viewing and you're voting with your dollar, that's why we have problems in Bigfoot investigations because people, you know, they they want to 
you know, they think, oh, this is just harmless, but it's not harmless. It's it's really uh, putting a dent in any of the serious investigations, and 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 it really shows, you know, people who are interested. It makes them feel a little bit, you know, ashamed and and maybe a little guilty about what they're doing because they, you know, I don't want to be a part of that crowd. I don't want to be right. you know painted with that crowd. And I think a lot of people tend to uh, shy away when they see this type of activity. Yeah, absolutely. Well said, well said. You know, uh, there there are a few, uh, speaking of, of you know, TV shows and whatnot, there are there are a few shows out there that, that I think do do the subject a little bit of justice. I mean, uh, do you think TV as a whole, when it comes to the subject, is, is just a bunch of garbage? Or, or are there a few TV shows or documentary uh, companies out there you think that are helping, uh, helping the subject in a positive manner? Well, um, you yeah, know, there are a couple. But they're they're few and far between, and I remember um, back when I was a kid, the Six Million Dollar Man, Bigfoot was featured on there. Bigfoot turned out to be this huge robot, and it's like, okay, you know, <laughs> this, this is where it begins. Bigfoot's now a robot. He's an interdimensional creature. He's this. He's this. He's this. You know, yeah, he's a crypto critter only from the you know from the observations of the fact that he's elusive, but you know, footprints and. And, uh, you know, and now this story, and it was really funny. Um, when the story in Idaho broke, I heard mainstream talk show people actually address this issue. And they didn't do it in a manner that was the snicker factor. They actually did it with, in all seriousness, saying that, you know, this is an interesting story, that, you know, a woman gets in a wreck with her car, hits a deer, and she says a, a Sasquatch is chasing it. I, you know, I, uh, in fact, what's really odd is that while I, you know, reported the story on my Facebook page. I didn't drop everything to talk about it on my show, but it, because I, I don't know, it, just, it doesn't seem like it's a full show talk, but it, it is something that should be you know, noteworthy in the investigations of, of Bigfoot, and it should be recorded as such. And you know, another thing, too, is I remember doing a show a while back talking about how there was a, uh, a Bigfoot that was sighted on a camera in Redwood, California, in the Redwoods, and uh, right. I made a I made a comment about its anatomy, and everybody was laughing at that. But I mean, come on! I mean, if, if that's something you have to use for proof, I mean, you know, nobody laughs about the fact that they use stat, you know, to try and track a Bigfoot. Well, you know, because Bigfoot are creatures, and yes, they poop, and yes, they have anatomy, and yes, they, you know, they must reproduce. I mean, and, and that's the problem is that you know when you start talking that way about a Bigfoot, you're talking it on a scientific level. We talk about its anatomy. People go, oh, you know, they get a little worried about that. Well, they shouldn't because if it's a real creature, which I believe it is because I've seen one, then, um, you know, it, it shouldn't matter to you if we're talking about, you know, what the head shape is like or what the chest shape is like. I remember when I talked with, um, uh, I talked with Robert Gimlin and, and I talked to him about uh, the breasts that were on the Bigfoot that they took there in, 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 with the Gimlin, Patterson-Gimlin film. And he said, yeah, he said they were there and, and, uh, and he said that that's one of the that's one of the things that uh, convinces a lot of people that what they shot was real. And another thing too, I remember uh, in some scientific discoveries, I think with Lloyd Pye, one of the things that he showed me was uh, a couple of footprints that were left behind by a Bigfoot. These these plaster casts. And the thing about the plaster casts was that the feet on this on this uh, particular creature looked like it had arthritis because the the joints were bent. And so these are the type of things that, 
you know, if you're a hoaxer, you certainly are thinking in great detail. I mean, I wouldn't even, I, I wouldn't even think about, you know, feet with arthritic joint, you know, the toes out of joint and, and, you know, some of the other things that I've seen. So, I mean, how do you explain that? How do you explain, you know, Bigfoot cats where they're not perfect and you see that the toes are out of joint? You know, those are the types of things I think we need to pay attention to if we really truly believe that there's something out there. Right, right. Yeah, you know, that, uh, that particular arthritic uh, uh, impression that was passed, I believe it's called cripple foot. And then that's, you're right, great example. You know, in the Blue Mountains, they've discovered, you know, uh, footprints and they've cast them in two different areas, uh, you know, 50, 60 uh, miles apart and some uh, horrendous terrain that for a hoaxer, uh, would be, uh, it'd be, it's really hard to believe that someone go out of their way to do that and, and expect somebody to be in the right area at the right time. I don't buy it. Uh, but having said that, you know, those pieces of evidence, uh, like the Clipsfoot cast and, and and whatnot, they're great pieces of evidence in my book. You, in, is there any other pieces of evidence that stick out in your mind? The Skookum cast. Hmm. Uh, the, the imperfect Skookum cast of the body of a Bigfoot. Um, and and the shape of the the contours of the body when it laid in the mud, I I, I think that uh, is is convincing too. I mean, these are the, you know it's always the unconventional things that catch my eye. I mean, yeah, you saw Bigfoot, yeah, you got the cast, yeah, you think you got hair, and you're analyzing <laughs> the hair. But you know when you have these unconventional models uh, where you know people see Bigfoot or uh, even the, like for example the voices. Okay, you know I've been listening. I've listened to Bigfoot screams i've listened you know and, and the thing is is that you know you can mistake the wolf screams but there is no mistaking that when you're listening to these sounds and and they sound like mandarin fishermen talking to one another in a language that you know no one understands i mean that's unconventional and in my opinion that's something that either a vivid imagination is created or it's real and the reality is is that big uh, the bigfoot or the sasquatch yetis they speak to one another, and what we hear are grunts and snorts and whistles that sound like, you know, close to human speech. And, and I think that, you know, in and of itself uh, is, is fascinating because, you know, I remember back in the old days, you know, we'd listen to late night talk with our bell and we'd hear these screams, oh, that's a Bigfoot, that's how Bigfoot sounds. Well, okay, that's a bass. But then when we got a little bit more into it and we've, we've gotten other sounds that have been presented, and I and I go, wow, you know, these these are, in my opinion, so unconventional uh, that once again, if they're hoax, they're remarkable hoaxes. And I, you know, and I think that I don't know if people who are that salt of the earth have that vivid of imagination to, you know, show flaws in in what in a creature. I mean, it, sometimes stories are too perfect, and other times the stories that aren't perfect that are that are kind of you know, outrageous and, and like for example when I saw uh, the Bigfoot that I saw that I saw it at, at Iseti out there in Washington the thing that got me about it was at first I saw it and the hair on it looked golden brown to me and and I looked even closer in the, in the short time I saw it the face looked nothing like I'd imagined the face to be I was expecting you know uh, I was expecting you know if it was a big foot I don't know what I mean obviously it had to have been because I haven't seen anything like it in my life but I mean the face didn't seem to be monkey like it looked like a pug dog kind of smashed in a little bit and I was kind of curious as you know that's how I saw the face was sort of you know 
you know, hominid monkey type, but not uh, not like you know a, a, an ape or or a gorilla. It looks very much like a, a smashed face, like a pug dog. And I was like, wow, what is that? Because I mean, you know, and you have to try to explain it away with your own logic in your brain, and it's kind of hard to do that. <laughs> and so you just say to yourself, I saw something eating an apple in an orchard, and then ran off when I yelled Bigfoot. So I mean, that's that's I mean, that's what I saw. Uh, and and I'm thinking to myself, it was not anything that I expected it to be. You know, it, it, I, I sit back and I think about it, and I go, well, this Bigfoot sighting, whatever it was, it, it didn't seem to be like what I've seen other people see. I, I saw something that was almost up cl- so up close that it was uncomfortable, and I keep thinking about, at times, the face I saw when I saw the Bigfoot, and, and it, it doesn't, it just continues to boggle my mind. Well, Clyde, let, let's go back to. I'd like to get more into your your encounter, your sighting. Um, what exactly took place? How did? What did you see? What were you doing? And what happened afterwards? Well, it was a Sunday, um, and uh, we usually spend like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at this area called East City. It's James Gilliland's ranch. It's, it's a UFO ranch, but it's in it's in uh, in the area, Scamadia County. Uh, Click Attack County, it, those are the areas in Washington State where, you know, Bigfoot is seen um, most of the time. And uh, what was going on is it was a Sunday, you know, we were packing, we were ready to go. I just got out of bed. I was drinking coffee in, in the lodge area, and I was talking with some people, and I looked over, and there was this window near the washing machine area where you can see out the window and out the door. And I saw something move towards the orchard, and at first, and this is no kidding, I thought, I saw this, I saw the hair on it, and I thought, oh, it's kind of a golden brown, kind of like, you know, um, Robert Plant. <laughs> I, I thought, yeah, you know, I was thinking, that's some hair, it looks like Robert Plant. And then I looked uh, beyond the, uh, the window when it moved, and I saw it wasn't a long-haired man, but it was, a, it was something that had a, a darker face. Uh, with, like I say, it looked like it was smashed uh, in a little. Like someone hit it in the face with a shovel, I guess. I mean, that's 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 how I remember it. And I mean, there I was standing in shorts and a cup of coffee in my hand, and I just all of a sudden said, "Bigfoot!" I just Bigfoot. That was what I, you know, it was just my my reaction. And then I said, "Bigfoot!" The thing looked right at me. And then started running uh, away from the orchard, and we were we were out there. We ran, and the thing just took off so fast. And what it did is it, uh, from what we understand, what we saw in the footprint areas, you know, there was there was some you know wet areas, and and so there was uh, some footprints, or what I'd say is it was like the balls of the feet of the creature. So what happened is when I yelled Bigfoot and ran out, it actually uh, started running, and then it leapt. Uh, and, and its ball of its foot went into the side area, and then it, it darted the other way. So, um, I mean, they didn't get a cast, but they did take a picture, and somewhere there's a picture of it uh, that James Gilliland has. And in fact, he was on Coast to Coast AM the other night talking about my Bigfoot sighting. So, um, you know, that was about all. And there was no way, you know, we could keep up with it, but we saw the areas where, you know, um, some of the reeds were, were bent or broken, and you could tell that when I said what I said, he ran and then he, he hit for some reason the ball of his foot and then probably pushed out and, and kind of like hopped and then went over this little area where there was indentation so he wouldn't fall. So he pretty much had a, you know, had a lot of agility and he could do that sort of thing 
but uh, it was a young one, I'm sure, because I, I, it didn't seem to me that it was uh, that tall. I mean, I, I, I guess maybe uh, it could have been about, uh, at any rate, about six, seven, or six, eight. You know, I've heard the ten feet tall. I've heard the nine feet. This thing, you know, right. didn't look like it was that tall. Well, that's one of one of the things. Of course, people assume that that. Uh, in fact, I still get asked every once in a while, "Why well, isn't Bigfoot one creature?" You know, it's like no, that, that that it's not a it's not a so uh, eternal. Uh, the the creature in in the Patty film is not all Bigfoots that are ever reported, and they mm-hmm. come in all different shapes and sizes and and colors and and so of course if there's a a living population of an animal that they're going to be you know you're going sightings are going to be at of different stages of their lives old one you know you get ones that are described as graying you get ones that that are described as heavy and and thinner and and uh, how how would you describe as far as body size uh the subject that you saw well it wasn't it was it was broad shouldered and and it kind of tapered it was kind of a, a broad shoulder then it tapered down and then of course the, the legs it seemed like the legs were uh, how can I put this you know everybody has a waist you know everybody has a waist but this was like I, I didn't detect the waist I, I just saw you know the body taper down and then the legs were there so it, it was uh, you know it, it just seemed like that uh, it had more leg than it had waist. And uh, and so it was like I said it was that's how I thought it, I said you know Bigfoot because it just didn't look like it belonged there uh, because of, of how it seems so odd looking um, big broad shouldered uh, golden brown hair smashed in darker face uh, broad shoulder tapering down into you know what looked like no waist but just legs and then uh, you know uh, it moved quickly. So, you know, it was unlike any, you know, body shape, you know, that I've seen before. Um, no curvature, uh, just, you know, straight down legs and, and after the taper, you know, in the, in the shoulders and in the, in the chest. And then, of course, uh, the arms were, you know, the arms were like right, I guess you could say that the, the, the hands were right near the, the upper, just above the knee. And uh, that's how it looked. What, what what about expression? Did it have any sort of expression of, of surprise or fear or anger? Um, I don't know if it was fear. It was it was more or less curiosity. Um, you know, like you know, sort of a like uh, you know, who the hell are you? <laughs> that's that's what it seemed like. Who the hell are you? I you know, I I, I don't know who you are, and and I don't want to know. I want to get away from you because you shouted, you know, Bigfoot. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he was alarmed by me shouting. So I have a very booming voice, and uh, and so he looked at me like, "Who the hell do you think you are?" You know, he gave me that look. Um, that's what I got from his look was that you know I don't know who you are and I don't know what you're doing, but I'm not going to stick around to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. So what was okay? You have this uh, this entity, this this Sasquatch. I mean, going you know, it's thinking, probably, yeah, what the heck? Who's this guy? Curiosity. What was going through your head? Uh, were you just blown away? I mean, did this? Uh, were you blown away to the fact that you were like, wow, they do exist? Or did you already kind of have a feeling that Sasquatch was around? Well, Sasquatch has always been like a bittersweet 
you know, type of thought for me, more or less because of the supernatural aspects and the claims of the supernatural. And, you know, uh, you could count on maybe two fingers the Bigfoot shows I've done over the 20, you know, uh, before you know, I saw Bigfoot. And then after that, you can, you can count it on fingers, toes, and, and arms. How many times now I've talked about Bigfoot on the show. And uh, it's because of the fact that once the experience, once you have the experience, and once you, you know, when you have your personal experience and there's no question of what you saw, um, you know, you, you tend to want to find out more. You tend to want to hear more stories. You tend to want to hear other witness testimony. And uh, because you're, I think you're trying to find, you know, uh, you know, someone who can relate to the shock. Mine was just shock. My, and, and the thing is, is that that's, you know, my first thought was not grab for my, my phone camera or, any of that, it was just standing there observing, going, wow, what do I do now? I just stand, and I walk towards it, and but it walked away. It ran away, and, I, and I'm like going, wow, if I just would have thought to grab my camera, if I just would have, you know, on my phone or, you know, whatever. And, and that's why I always hear from people, you think with cell phones, you know, we'd be able to get better proof. No, that's, that's not what happens. I mean, you have your cell phone in your hand. You have to unlock it. I mean, for some people who have them, I have a flip phone, but... You know, some people have their smartphones. They have to unlock the phone, then they have to grab the camera, put it in camera mode, and try to snap a picture of something that, that you know, this is running away from you. And, and uh, it's hard to do. It, I mean, it, people don't understand. I mean, unless you have your phone in your hand, it's unlocked and ready to go, and you can snap the photo. And that's why if someone can get something on camera or film or on, cam- uh, on, their, on their cell phone, you know, gosh, half off to them because, you know, things happen so quickly and, and, you know, you don't think to yourself, oh, this would make a great picture. You know, I, I, I blow the lid off the Bigfoot case if I can get this perfect picture. You're going, what in the heck am I seeing here? And then you decide after it's disappeared, oh, I should have grabbed my camera and I should have took a picture of it or something. That's how I felt. I was really, in fact, uh, I tell people, I said, you know, I saw Bigfoot. And the minute I saw Bigfoot and was shocked, and after it all, after I kind of, you know, calmed down and it was over, I thought to myself, ah, oh, damn it, I saw Bigfoot. And, and the reason why I thought that is because if I tell anybody, and I did, I, I went on the air and I said, hey, you know, one of the things that happened to me is I saw Bigfoot. And you wouldn't believe the ridicule and the, oh, uh, this is just for ratings or blah, blah, blah. And I knew it because if I didn't have any proof, I knew that people out there would think to, my, to think to themselves, I'm just lying to them, and I'm doing it to get a rise out of people. And, and that's the thing. Is that if you don't have a camera shot or you don't have anything to prove your story, it goes right up there with the, the big fish you almost caught. And that's basically how I compare it. It's like, oh, this is a big fish I almost caught. It was that big, you know. And uh, you know, people go, sure, tell me another fish story. So that's what it feels like when you see Bigfoot and you don't have any proof. It's it's just a fish story, and that's that's sad but true. Yeah, you know, it, it, with 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 uh, just about every sighting out there, uh, it's the same you know same sort of uh, setup, same sort of story. The uh, the fleeting glint, it lasts seconds. You're not prepared, even when you think you're prepared, you're not prepared. And you, and and for the vast majority, the vast majority of sightings, people aren't looking for Bigfoot. They're not expecting it, and bam, it happens, and phone, uh, camera is on what they're looking at. And, I mean, that's just right. the way it goes. And I believe that, you know, why, uh, you know, the Sasquatch still remains so elusive. It's, you know, it is just a fleeting glimpse. 
They don't hang around long. Um, but, you know, that area that you had your sighting in is a phenomenal area. It's beautiful, and it's got a rich, rich history of Sasquatch sightings. Have you talked to anybody um, either on your your show or in person that has had a sighting in the general vicinity of that area? Oh, yeah, a lot of people. Uh, Stevenson, uh, many people have seen uh, you, uh, no, sorry, Bigfoot uh, in Stevenson, Washington. Uh, in fact, uh, people joke that it's a wonder they just don't walk up to the kiosk and order an espresso down there. Um, <laughs> and, of course, in Skamania County, it's funny because uh, they've actually made it illegal to hunt Bigfoot. Um, and they, they right. it's in their laws not to harm uh, the Bigfoot, uh, you know, herd or, or, the, or the group uh, because they're up there and they believe they're up there. And that's why they made this, this deal that you're not supposed to hunt them. So, you know, just observe, watch. Uh, another thing, too, that was interesting, and, and uh, it kind of makes sense, is that the time I was up there at East SETI, uh, Mount uh, Adams, apparently, there was a forest fire on the other side of Mount Adams that was burning. And I think that uh, that's probably why uh, the Bigfoot just happened to be there, because I think that uh, they probably had to travel from the other side of Mount Adams uh, to get away from the fires. And and that usually is the case, that there's some sort of fire or uh, and some sort of uh, an obstacle in the forest that causes the, the Bigfoot uh, groups to move to other areas where they wouldn't normally be seen. And I think that's what the case was with me, is that, uh, just by some chance, uh, there was a fire on the other side of the, of the mountain, and I'm sure many of the Bigfoot that lived there had to move to other areas. And, you know, that one was probably just passing through trying to find food, uh, you know, foraging for food. And uh, and then when I saw it, it just took off. So, you know, it would make a lot of sense that with, you know, the fires there and the other problems that, you know, a, a group of Bigfoot would move uh, or at least uh, find themselves in an area where they're safe. That's a really, really uh, great point. You know, I had a friend like that put together a sightings map, and he overlaid uh, the, the fires the last couple of years in some of these areas. And what we noticed was that the sightings uh, were greater in other areas after the fires, you know, because Sasquatch uh, and other animals were displaced because of these fires. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're going to have uh, higher occurrence sightings in other areas, perhaps areas that really never had Sasquatch sightings before. That's you know that's just a fantastic point. The uh, you know your sighting itself, I find fascinating, especially with your description. You know, is like the, is that what you when when you saw things? Was I mean, did it kind of blow your mind, or was just you know maybe kind of what you would have thought a Sasquatch would have looked like? And have you ever talked to anybody on your show or, or anywhere else that kind of had a similar? Uh, sighting of a Sasquatch that's similar to your description? Uh, no, I've never talked to anybody that has the same sighting. And, and as I said earlier, I, it's nothing like I expected. I mean, you know, I, I've seen, you know, all my life from the time I was a child, you know, I'd seen these, you know, reenactments of Bigfoot sightings. And I've seen, you know, pictures on the side of the road of something that looks like a monkey or perhaps the back of a bear or, or something like that that, you know, you're looking at and you're going, oh, that could be a bear, that could be anything. Um, but what I saw, you know, was most definitely, um, and I would say a hominid of some sort, on its, on its legs. Um, and it, it was something that, 
you know, when I first saw it, I like I said, I thought it looked like a man uh, kind of had a hair like Robert Plant, you know, back in the old Led Zeppelin days. And then, uh, you know, his whole body was covered in this golden brown type hair that was, uh, you know, curly in some spots like, like chief's wool. Um, you know, and it was really, you know, interesting. And I'm thinking, well, what is that? And then when I looked and said Bigfoot, its head turned, it looked right at me, and I'm going, whoa. That face was like, whoa. And I'm thinking, uh, that is just too weird. You know, I just don't, I've never seen anything like this. Uh, maybe, you know, if you look at a gibbon, you know what I'm saying? I mean, if you look at one of the gibbons and how their faces look, how they have the big, they have the big eyes and they have sort of the, the drawn back face. Uh, that's why I say, you know, uh, a puggy, a pug looking type face, you know, it didn't have, um, in fact, I'm looking up a gibbon right now to see what gibbons look like. And, um, yeah, something like what a gibbon would look like, you know, if you look up gibbon, um, but you know, gibbons have sort of that cute monkey face, but this is more of a, uh, well, you know, it's kind of like that. I'm looking at a gibbon right now online and yeah, it looks kind of like a gibbon. That's, that's it. I feel like I can describe it. The face is more, like a gibbon and less like a monkey. One of, one of the great aspects to your encounter was the fact that there were multiple witnesses. Uh, that that doesn't happen. It happens less than than it actually you know, than you would expect. Uh, I you know I've been around a few groups that you know claim to have seen things, but your 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 encounter is pretty fascinating for the fact that you know more than one witness. Yeah, I mean, they were there, more than one witness. They ran faster than me because I couldn't run that fast. I was I was heavier then and uh, wasn't able to run that fast. Uh, but they were running. A, one guy named Kars, he, he ran and tried to chase it, and he said I was right behind it, and then he just gained speed, and I couldn't get, get, get close to it. So he was right there, too. And, uh, you know, there were a few other people that came out that, that got a glimpse of it out of the corner of their eye. But uh, everybody was just standing there wondering what what the heck just happened, what did they see, and, uh, and you know everybody you know said that you know I got the better glimpse of it because I was looking right at the door. Uh, other people said they saw it out of the corner of their eye, wondered what it was because it moved so quickly. So yeah, we had a few witnesses and and they will testify that yeah they saw the bigfoot too. Uh, but yeah, I think I got the better look of it though. I think I got you know when I get it looking at me right in the face. In fact, right now. I'm looking at a picture of a of a large gibbon uh, that uh, kind of reminds me of what it looked like. Actually, it was really kind of an interesting look. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking yeah, at that we... one. Of, yeah, I'm looking at one of those too, and I kind of see it gives you the context of, of what you're saying. It's a flatter face, the, mm-hmm. the kind of shovel to, shovel to the face look. So, yeah, I mean, and, and then that's how I thought because I mean the way it looked at me and. I mean, up close, I probably would have seen it um, a lot better. But I've got this, uh, you know, I've got this enlarged picture right now. I'm looking at, and it's just exactly the face that I saw it was exactly like that. It was, it was amazing looking, you know, kind of a flattened uh, monkey face or, or something to that extent. Now we live in the mecca. I mean, the Pacific Northwest is considered the well, as far as I. It's a mecca, a great area for for Sasquatch activity, and a great area to possibly see a Sasquatch. You know, as as for advice for people, uh, what, if someone wants to go out, maybe um, 
have an encounter, you know, and I know it's a rarity, but living, you know, especially here in the Pacific Northwest, what advice would you give someone? I mean, uh, there's TV shows, there's radio shows, and they, they, you know, they kind of portray how you're, you know, they, how to go out and find a Bigfoot. But how would you tell someone to go out and and, uh, and do some research or just have an experience that's possible? Spots uh, that I know of because my uh, wife, uh, she lived in Kelso, and uh, she said there were a lot of Bigfoot there when she lived there. Uh, in fact, they would hang around. Uh, the pipeline that goes through there, and, and she never knew why they did that, but they did. They would they would hang out where the pipeline was, and uh, they would eat some of the bark. I think it's cherry wood bark off the trees, and and she said that you know, while she never really saw a, a creature, she said though that she knew they were there because they would stack rocks, and that you know they would stack rocks, and so you'd see these huge rocks being stacked one on top of the other, and no one you know would be stacking that big of rocks just for fun. She said, they were just too big and you could see them, you know, on the sides of the pathway. She used to ride horses in the area, but you know, now it just seems to me that that area probably doesn't have as many, uh, Sasquatch there because of the volcano eruption and that it wiped out a lot. I mean, the, the ape caves, of course, named after the caves where the Bigfoot were dwelling, you know, people say that every once in a while they see something out there on the on the southern slope near Mount St. Helens. Um, and, of course, Grant's Pass is another place where I've heard that you see a lot of Bigfoot. Um, but Skamania County and Klickitat County of Washington State, highly, you know, forested uh, area and uh, dense forest, uh, and, and you'd be more than likely to, you know, be on the... Uh, either sense a Bigfoot, see a Bigfoot, or even, you know, smell one if one gets close enough to you. But, you know, and I would say those are the areas. I think the Sequoias are another place to catch a Bigfoot there. Um, sometimes the Sierra Nevada Mountains, that Tahoe area, there are places there I hear that you can see one. Um, it just, I guess it's the luck of the draw. I don't know. Um, if anyone seeking a Bigfoot usually finds them, but it's once again, it's an accidental discovery. You know, something's chasing a deer and you wreck your car, or you just happen to be getting up, packing your bags to go back home after a, a nice, uh, you know, camp out at a, at a very beautiful ranch, and you look out and there it is standing there eating apples. I mean, this, this, these types of things, right. you know, are once in a lifetime, and, and, and while... You know, I used to dwindle in faith with Bigfoot. Now I'm convinced that something is out there. And, you know, I, the experience at the time was mind-boggling, disappointing that I didn't pick up a camera and, took a, and take a picture. But it's also, you know, reaffirming that, you know, we don't always know everything. And, and even though, you know, nobody has uh, really given definitive proof, at least that's what they say, you know, the proof is in the experience. And the confirmation is in the sighting, and uh, you know, and I know what I saw or what I didn't see, <laughs> and uh, you know, that's the thing is your brain keeps telling you, "Did I really see it? Didn't I see it? Did I?" Really? And people say, "Aren't you sure?" Well, yeah, I'm sure I saw something, but my brain keeps wanting to tell me that it was really nothing, that I was just hallucinating something. Uh, but no, it, it wasn't a hallucination. It was something that was very real, and uh, and I can describe it because it, it it was not more than you know. Maybe uh, a yard away from me. Not even that. 
and that's one of the things that's really compelling is that it, the, the process that you describe for processing the sighting is so familiar with talking to other people that have had encounters is that uh, there's a tendency first to, you know, to try to make uh, whatever they're seeing uh, fit into, like in your case, Robert Plant. In fact, I'm surprised you didn't yell out Robert Plant first instead of Bigfoot. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, I wonder if Bigfoot would have answered this, reacted the same way. But uh, uh, it's and and try and then kind of questioning, um, did I really see what I see? You know, what I saw and and uh, it's a, it's that so same chain that that witnesses um, have. One of the, the differences for you is that you host a uh, radio show about uh, unexplained uh, phenomenon, right. and and right. so uh, well. And, and as I said, are, you know, it's one of those topics that I never covered really. I mean, I I did one uh, right. story a while back called Sasquatch Summer, and it was published. Uh, only because of a Sasquatch sighting that happened in Grants Pass. That's the only reason why I wrote it. Uh, and then there was another one I wrote that was, uh, you know, just to write about it. And and then, you know, I didn't really touch the Bigfoot subject. I, yeah, because I met Lloyd Pye. I think that's one of the reasons why I I, uh, I wrote another subject. Lloyd Pye impressed me with his book, Everything You Know Is Wrong. And, uh, and you know, I kept in touch with Lloyd a lot, but he started, you know, fancying uh, himself into investigating the star child. And, uh, you know, he continued to, to look into that before he died. Uh, but, you know, it was after, you know, my sighting, really, that, you know, I started realizing that, you know, this is a topic that I believe uh, needs to be rediscovered and, and reinvestigated. And that while, you know, I knew there were a lot of Bigfoot researchers out there, it was once more like a, a reunion of sorts or getting back to my roots as to why I came to the Northwest. Cause I remember saying, you know, I'm moving to the Northwest and everybody in Utah that where I was from say, why are you doing that? I said, well, that's where all the UFOs were sighted in the beginning. And that's where Bigfoot is. And DB Cooper is there. So it's an area of mystery. And, and, uh, you know, and, and when I did this, you know, I found so many uh, interesting coincidences about my life. Like I, you know, I moved into an apartment that was, uh, basically the backyard, and I didn't know this until I did some research, the backyards were one of the first UFO sightings you were seeing near the Ross Island Bridge in Oregon, and then uh, found out that my, my colleague and friend Wolfgang Gossett uh, was a suspect of the D.B. Cooper case, and then I see a big thing <laughs> when, I'm out, when I'm out at these settings. So, I mean, all these coincidences happening, and that's why I realized you know, I was meant to come to the Northwest, and, and it's because, you know, I, I'm finding out, you know, more and more interesting things about the stuff I was curious about when I was younger, and I'm discovering more things and uh, more coincidences. I've had plenty of coincidences in my life where I've met, you know, really famous people and I've run into them, and it's not because of my radio career. It's just because that's that's who I am. I guess I attract this stuff, but I never in a million years would have thought that I would see a Bigfoot, and that's and that's what I think uh, is so special. Is more special than seeing a UFO or bright lights in the sky or having a ghost encounter to see a Bigfoot though, I think is, is far more uh, major and a little bit more rare than, you know, seeing a ghost walk by or, or seeing weird lights in the sky. I think that that, the whole idea of a Bigfoot sighting is rare and fun and interesting. Well, and that too, one of the things that, it, well, you shared your encounter very publicly and, and to see that 
you got a negative response from you know some people. It just mm-hmm. it it kind of solidifies why uh, witnesses that don't have your platform or you know don't don't come forward because they're they're concerned that that they're not going to be believed. That people are going to think they're crazy. And uh, uh, I've I found over and over again with witnesses that that I've talked to and I might have been the first person they they spoke with ever about their encounter. You know, it might have happened. I've had a couple of people that it was 30 years ago and they've never shared it or they initially shared it with the friends and family and the response that they got caused them to not, you know, to put it in a box and put it away. And they, they're just kind of waiting for uh, the opportunity to, to have somebody to talk to about it that isn't going to think that they're crazy and, and, uh, and that, or that they're lying. So, um, well, yeah, I mean, why would anybody, you know, when I thought about releasing it and being very public about it, I didn't even think that there would be this kind of ridicule. I, I didn't. I mean, I, I thought, yeah, you know, you tell a story and, and everybody's going to, and a few people are going to not believe you. But I mean, it was, some of it was vicious. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking why, uh, why, why would something like this uh, anger you enough to troll you on, on social media and to send you emails that were, you know, I mean, it's like that's not I, – I don't get why that's such a uh, – so hard for people to handle. Uh, and, and the idea that they're thinking that and, – and this is what these skeptics think. They think that, oh, you saw Bigfoot. Boy, that's going to turn into a book and a movie. And No, it doesn't happen like that. In fact, when people have encounters or they have things happen, like this, none of that ever happens. There's no money to be made and there's no, uh, there's no contracts or book deals or – anything like that it's just exciting and it's it's interesting and you know if you you know if if you talk about it and you're around people who want to hear the story it's an interesting story and 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 then it's the obsession of trying to figure out you know what it truly was and then after you've you know analyzed all the logical explanations then you go beyond that and you say hey you know, this is something that happens to a lot of people, and they don't talk about it. But you have, and now you have to face, you know, the the you you have to face the challenge of of you know informing yourself and and being involved and and opening your eyes and and talking with people, giving them uh, an example of what you've seen. Well, and I I appreciate that, that you have been willing to talk about your encounter because I think it it helps other people that, that have are are reluctant to to come forward. Uh, I always talk because you there's two two of us on this this uh call, this interview that, that have uh walked through the door of confirmation. You know, and I'm still standing on the outside where, where I have not had the com what I refer to as the confirmation encounter. Um right. and uh, it I think the mindset then go kinda goes from uh are they to what are they? And the pursuit then is, you know, what what are these things that can are so elusive that that uh, man pursuit is the people that are in pursuit of them have to to date not been able to to confirm their existence. So it's it's a fast that that's one of the, the things about the the subject that just drives me to to keep uh, researching it and, and going out and and. Uh, Looking for evidence and uh, talking to witnesses and and uh, your your encounter is, is really compelling to me because uh, uh, multiple witnesses 
a facial facial daylight sighting, you know, from close proximity, and uh, some some corroborating evidence, and just cool. So I appreciate you sharing it with us. Well, and, and not only that, but it, it, the, the circumstances before, uh, you know, the situation, there were other people who said, like, for example, uh, you know, my friend Roger and his, at the time, girlfriend had a deer jump over them, uh, and they didn't understand what a deer was doing in the in the compound, and, and uh, you know, that would be the precursor. So a deer was in the camp, it jumped over, uh, it jumped high above, you know, this woman that was walking back to her yurt. Uh, another thing that was, I remember someone telling me that Olaf Phillips was there and Larry Overman, who was one of the ghost miners, was up there with us. And they said that they saw, you know, what appeared to be, you know, figures on the side of the mountain, uh, Mount Adams. And, you know, they didn't know what they were. They just said they saw these figures up there. Um, and so it all adds up you know, in my opinion, because after, you know, after I said that I saw this, then comes the stories of, well, you know, and I remember when the deer uh, jumped over, her name was Dina, uh, she screamed. And, and, you know, everybody wondered, well, what the hell is going on? And she said, the deer just, just, just jumped over me. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, so why would a deer be in a compound and why would it be so frightened? I, I just don't know that deer can jump. You know, she was about, what, 5'2". So this deer jumped like five feet above her and over her. So it was it was frightened <laughs> and everything. And then of course the you know I hear the story from Olaf and from uh, others who were up there. Well, yeah, we saw some figures walking around and we didn't know what they were. They just looked like really tall men, you know, out there. And and so yeah, it was you know the precursors. Everybody said that they saw something that was out of place, but they you know they didn't want to go as far as to say maybe a Bigfoot was chasing a deer or that Bigfoot was walking you know, in the area, but then after I had my sighting, I was going, I wonder if that was what that was. I wonder if the Bigfoot was chasing a deer. I wonder if, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, and, and you, so you, you look at all the sideline stories as well and the compelling stories that they've told, and you're, you're realizing, well, yes, yeah, something was amiss or something was out of the ordinary, and, you know, you can't pinpoint what it is right off the bat, and so you have to ask around. You have to, um, you know, see if anyone else had, had seen something or if anybody else had felt something, a presence or, or what have you, and, and that's what you do. Uh, you know, you want to find out more and you want to hear from other people, and, and that's why, you know, I'm more than happy to, you know, talk about this because, you know, maybe someone, you know, saw something similar around the same time, you know, or maybe not. I mean, I think that's why it's important. I know that uh, when I talked to Peter Davenport with the National UFO Reporting Center, he always tells me, he says, UFOs don't matter unless you file a report with him or file a report with Bufon or somebody else. And it's true. I mean, how are we going to find out if someone has seen something or if they can identify something if we don't talk about it? And, and how are we going to find out, you know, the movements of a Bigfoot or the movements of a Yeti or a Sasquatch? How are we going to find out all that if we don't talk about it and if people don't come forward and talk about it? I mean, you know, sure you get some ridicule at first, but it just dies down after a while. And then, and then I'm sure people, you know, after they calm down and their initial shock calms down, I'm sure that the same people are going to, you know, come back and ask you, you know, so what exactly happened to you? You know, and, and I want to know because I had an experience too. It's not going, then why were you being so critical of me with my experience? I mean, some of, some of the worst offenders are people who've had experiences and they just, I don't know. It, it, people act strange. They do strange things when they're confronted with, you know, strange anomalies. 
Mm-hmm. Clyde, it's been fantastic talking with you, and I'm really curious. You know, you got this really uh, popular, amazing uh, radio show in Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. Usually successful. What got you into radio? Uh, what was the draw? What got you got you into this field? I wanted to be a television weatherman, and uh, I um, <laughs> I actually uh, realized that uh, weathermen don't get any respect. And so I decided to go into radio. Now I realize that radio doesn't get any respect. <laughs> you know, no, I, uh, no, that was one of the reasons. I was really, uh, I did broadcasting in high school. And I wanted to get into television broadcasting, movie making, and maybe even be a, uh, you, know, a, a, you know, an actor. And I did do some acting. I've been in a few movies. And then I realized I'm a frustrated rock star. So I, I, I decided to get into radio. And Ground Zero was kind of accidental because I was offered a talk show back in 1995. And uh, I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a talk show that would be so unique and so bizarre and so out there that you can't help but listen to it. And uh, it's taken me, you know, 20 years, 22 years to get it to this point. And uh, right now, I mean, it, it's basically my life now. I, I didn't expect a radio show to be my life. In fact, I would have been content, you know, wrapping, uh, you, know, you know, ramping up uh, Black Sabbath albums on a AOL, on a adult rock and roll station. But uh, I did this. I'm doing this, and I'm pretty happy. And pretty, and, and it's basically been an adventure, a really good adventure, actually. Well, Clyde, we're we're uh, just about out of time, so uh, we want to thank you for uh, joining us today and and uh, talking about your encounter up there at the Assetti Ranch, and uh, for Monster X listeners that. Uh, would like to listen to Catch Shot Clyde's show. He uh, is, again, it's Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. Uh, you look it up on, online. Um, how often are your is your show playing, Clyde? Are you uh, on the air? Friday, 7, 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific time till midnight Pacific time, Monday through Friday. There's a best of on Saturday on kxl.com. If you want to find radio stations in your area that, that play the show or at least radio stations that stream the show, you can go to TalkStreamLive.com, click on the Clyde Lewis icon, and they'll be able to find those radio stations that play the show. You can also go to SoundCloud.com slash GroundZeroMedia to listen to past shows. And, uh, of course, if you want to read any material that I have, buy any of my books, you can do that by going to the Ground Zero Bookstore online. It's GroundZeroBookstore.com. That's groundzerobookstore.com, and uh, there you'll find, you know, information that I've written, uh, ideas that I have out there, uh, Ground Zero goodies, T-shirts, and all that cool stuff, and plenty of places to find me. Just, you know, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis on Google, and you'll find all the areas where you can hear me or otherwise, uh, uh, you know, get to my Facebook page or whatever. That's where we do all of our updates there. So it, it, there's a lot of things, a lot of places you can go to find me. What You got any upcoming events? I know that you uh, – go out and, and make public appearances in the Portland area. You got anything coming up soon? I'll be at the, I'll be at the Oregon Ghost Conference in Seaside, Oregon this weekend, uh, March 31st through April 2nd. Um, we will be doing, we'll be doing the Cherry City Comic Con April 8th and 9th. And uh, I'll be in Joshua Tree for Contact in the Desert on May 19th. Um, so that's pretty much Oh, the International Bigfoot Conference In Kennewick, Washington I'll be there September 1st through the 3rd And uh, we also are, are going to be doing Ground Zero University 
the Skype Live studio, April 15th, right here in downtown Portland. We're going to be having Alana Freeland, Tracy Twyman, uh, H. Michael Sweeney, and Anthony Patch. They'll all be speaking at the Ground Zero University. It's a, a gathering of people who learn more about these topics and do so in sort of a, a lecture, TED Talks type of atmosphere. So it'll be a lot of fun for them there. I think I'm going to put that one on my calendar, so that sounds cool. Okay, well, for uh, Shane Corson, this is Gunnar Monson. We want to again thank uh, Clyde Lewis from, from Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis uh, for joining us today. And uh, until next time, uh, keep it squatchy. Thanks for everybody for listening. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Gunnar. Thanks, Clyde. You bet. It was great. Thank you. Bet. Have a good With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.